Emperor Yao is a legendary Chinese ruler, known for being one of the three sovereigns and five emperors. It was during the reign of Emperor Yao over 4,000 years ago that the Great Flood began, a flood so vast that no part of Yao's territory was spared from destruction or famine. I could have told you all that. Tea, drink, smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And it is with that we are introduced to the Emperor Yao Maduro Torpedo from El Septimo Cigars. Now, I must tell you, Fingers Malloy, my knowledge base of El Septimo is very, very limited, although we have seen them at the PCA, the Premium Cigar Association show in Las Vegas. I don't know if somehow it's just been a bit of fate, but literally every single week, someone is mentioning somewhere El Septimo. Maybe it's just because it's like one of those things where you, you, you're like, oh, I'm interested in this kind of car. And then that's all the car that you see. Maybe that's it. But the Yao Maduro, the Emperor Yao Maduro is a six and a half by 60 torpedo which means it's six and a half inches long. Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh. And the ring gauge is a 60. That's the diameter of the cigar, basically how thick it is around. Now, if it's a 64 ring gauge, it is a full one inch around. This is well above my comfort level for mouthfeel. First things first, Fingers Malloy. For a six and a half by 60, I actually expected a touch more heft. Really? Yeah. I mean, it feels fine. It's got some balance to it, but I expected a little more feel. Not not you? Oh, no. I. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's nice. It feels beefy. feels like a, it's you, you got a stick in your hand right here. Uh, the wrapper's beautiful. Uh, it, it's a dark, dark chocolate, uh, a touch of oil. Just a touch. And what's really interesting is that the leaf is really prominent. Right, you've got a touch of veining there, but what you really get to see is how the leaf laid in. It's actually rather attractive, and that band with Emperor Yao and the red and the gold and the teal is actually very attractive on it. We know it's a Maduro. We know it's about a medium smoke. After that, we're totally in the dark. Have absolutely no idea and was not able to find what tobaccos come in this cigar. Yeah, and... You know, right off the bat, uh, we we just lit this, and I'm I'm going to be interested to see how long it's going to take to get through this smoke. Uh, but for me, I got a little bit of pepper right off the bat, and then some some chocolate notes. Yeah, I I don't hit it too hard on on a spice note to begin with. I actually thought it came off with some sweetness. What I enjoyed at the first was it's a torpedo. So a torpedo is where the the foot, the end that you light. Is, is flat across as you're used to seeing it, and then it comes up to a point at the cap end, and you cut that end. We did this as a straight cut, not a V cut, because it was six and a half inches. If this was maybe a little bit shorter, I probably would have done a V cut to be able to engage a little more of the cigar. I don't want to lose too much of the cigar with a straight cut across. Also, never having the cigar before, I wanted to really get into what it is the, the, the blenders wanted to do, and I didn't want to create more intensity as a V-cut, which kind of cuts into the cigar, will do. It kind of concentrates that. I didn't want that for the cigar. I wanted to have it a little more open. So because the ring gauge is a little bit bigger than what you normally would gravitate to because of the mouthfeel, do you feel like the torpedo kind of cancels some of those feelings out for you because it, uh, you know, it, it 
it feels it, a little bit smaller in the mouth. So what your 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 argument is an interesting one. First, in terms of mouthfeel, no, it's still too big for my everyday enjoyment. But the larger the ring gauge might convince you to go with a straight cut over a V cut because you still got plenty of an opening, right? And you don't feel like you're losing cigar. And you're not. You don't need to concentrate it. So I, I, I'm glad we want the straight cut on this. The draw is actually excellent. Yeah. Um, not, not a problem in the world. It's burning beautifully even. Um, I would argue that whatever spice exists, exists on the, on the middle tongue. And then everything else does have a uh, chocolate bready kind of thing going on. Uh, this is a cigar. You grab your notebook. What did you eat today? What did you drink today? You write that all down in your notebook. What is the weather? It is remarkably beautiful in Indianapolis, Indiana. That'll all change in an hour. Yeah. In an hour, it will be snowing and God will send tornadoes. I mean, thank goodness we aren't getting what Michigan's getting right now. I talked to my dad. Uh, you know, it's, if you're a little bit uh, towards southern Michigan, it's more ice. They're getting blasted with snow in, in central and in northern Michigan and lots of power outages. And I'm like, hey, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. It's 65 degrees down here. Uh, this, this winter storm, which is actually named Olive, from California all the way across Michigan was at 700,000 people without power yeah. at one moment. Certainly by the weekend, certainly hope everything by now is, is good to go. Um, so what did you eat? What did you drink? You're going to write that down in your notebook, and then you're going to break the scar into thirds. Not physically, with your mind. If you can do it with your mind, that's very impressive. <laughs> First third, second third, and final third. And then you're going to write down the flavors that you got out of that uh, cigar. Um, I don't know if El Septimo's trying to be a player, trying to be boutique. They have so many cigars. It's kind of freakish. The number of cigars uh, that they have, but Connecticut's, and they've got uh, Royal Solomon's, and they've got the Van Gogh, the Dali, the Rembrandt, the Raphael, the Michelangelo, the Da Vinci, and it keeps on going. It's surreal, and I'm not sure what market they're playing at. This is the Emperor Yao, a six and a half by 60. Is this in your humidor, Fingers Malloy, at $25 a stick? I mean, we're just in the first third, so... It's hard for me to make that determination. So far, I'm enjoying it. The thing is with this, Tony, is you mentioned that that spice kind of on on the middle of your tongue. What's weird for me is I'm getting it on the, the tip of the tongue. And it's actually lingering on the, the, the roof of my mouth and on my lips a little bit more than a cigar that I've on had in the past. Lips? Yeah, it's, it's really strange. That's never happened to me before. Uh, really? So I don't no, know. No, I've I've had it. I've certainly had things uh, go go to the lip before, without without question, and get a little tingling, get a little uh, of flavor. Just not, just not with this. What about for you? Uh, is it in your humidor? Is it in my humidor? Twenty five dollars. I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm partial to a no, not because of the cigar, but because of the size. There's got. I was gonna say there's got to be a reason for me to smoke a sixty, and the truth is there is none. <laughs> For me, there is none, but I get how some people, they they love it. They love that big feel. Me, I tend towards the Lanceros and the Lonsdales, the Panatellas, the smaller ring gauges where you're getting more flavor out of the wrapper. Me, I, tr I play in that 4850 all the time. Um, but I must say, I have smoked a few El Septimos, and I won't lie, 
One I really enjoyed. I, I, I've done two others this week. One I really enjoyed. One I did not finish. Oh. I, I won't lie about anything. I don't know if it's in my human or based on size. I need more time with it based on flavor. But if you can find it at your tobacconist, the Il Septimo, E-L, or maybe it's L. I think it's Il, but maybe it's El Septimo. Uh, and this is the Emperor Yao. Honestly, the, the, the band is world class, man. <laughs> it is world class. Uh, you can find out more about this at eatdrinksmokeshow.com, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. So what I've discovered is people have more free time than I do, Fingers. Really? I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I didn't figure this out. But there are people out there who have an outrageous amount of free time to do things I would never dream of doing because I do not have enough time to engage those dreams. Oh, I hear you. I was thinking about that the other day when I spent four hours on Instagram. Tea, drink, smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is Fingers Malloy. Follow us on Instagram, Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast, if you would. Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast. The people at eater.com with a list, and not just any list. This is the king of holy cow. Somebody was super high and came up with a list list. The list of the best mall food smells. Meaning you go to a food court, mm -hmm. and you walk in, and you take a big whiff, and you're like, I'm home. Yes. Because there are Daddy's home. There are certain restaurants that you only see at a mall food court. You just don't you're just not driving down the road and say, "Oh, there's a Cinnabon." So, to me, this this is an awesome list and to me there are only two things that should be on the list. And if they're on they've, the list, I will say that's it. They've got 13. Wow. Number 13 on the list is Sabaro. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a smell you really, really want. Well, you're. I'm not. I'm not anti Sbarro, by the way. You're from New Jersey, and I know you've told me on several occasions the best slice on the East Coast is Sbarro. Remember, you're telling me that on several occasions. You trying to get me killed? <laughs> you trying to get me killed? <laughs> trying to end my cred? Is that what you're doing? Look, Sbarro slice will do you in a pickle, but it's not. It's not what you're doing. No. Uh, by the way, best Jersey slice, Frankie Feds, Freehold, New Jersey. I'm only putting some money on that. Or, or, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about Vicks and Bradley Beach? Right? Oh, boop, 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 boop. I don't know if Danny's is still there in Middletown, New Jersey. But hot diggity dog, I did a lot of Danny's in my day. So I had to take a bus from Manhattan down to Washington. And the bus. On purpose? Yes. And the Was it a prisoner transfer? <laughs> no, it was not. But the bus stop was right in front of, of Sbarro. Sbarro? Sbarro. Sbarro. Uh, in, in New York City, and it was packed, and I was shocked. Did you eat it? No. Oh, on this, you had standards. <laughs> Number 12 on the list is Potato Corner. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it smells like. I assume it smells like french fries. You would think. Which is a good smell. And a number 11 is Cheesecake Factory. Now, Cheesecake Factory is not a mall smell, although it could be attached to a mall because it's a restaurant that plays in the high-end world-esque, and it's its own thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to object to this a little bit because I think of a food court, and you don't see a cheesecake factory in a food court unless maybe they have a standalone place where you can buy just the cheesecake. Which I've never seen. I've never actually seen that. So, so this list is already 
falling off the rails. And then Chick-fil-A is number 10 on the list. But you don't get that smell if you're there on a Sunday. Therefore, doesn't count. <laughs> I've never even heard of number nine. So I'm going to number eight. Charlie's Philly Steaks. Have you ever had a Charlie's Philly Steak? Yes. Really? Yeah. And it's fine. I mean, uh, my, my question to you, you, you have you had... A Philly cheesesteak, because I know you can't do bread. In my life, sure, I've had a Philly cheesesteak. But you can't really do bread. Yeah, but there were days where I tried things, and I was willing to explode for my art. Provolone cheese or whiz? Ah. Uh, am, am, am I in Philadelphia? Am I at Geno's or Pat's? Yes. Well, I think they use whiz, don't they? I mean, a, a Philadelphia person could yell at me, but how would you know? They're always yelling. Um, I, wow. Banging wow. on Philly. This early in the show? Where can everyone in Philadelphia get in touch with you? Uh, fingers at eatrinksmokeshow.com. Um, personally, provolone. Yeah. Uh, if we're going for down and dirty, the whiz. The great thing about the whiz. We mean, you know we mean cheese whiz, right? <laughs> we mean processed cheese food that is poured on top like soup. The great thing about the cheese whiz, I, I'm a provolone guy too, but every once in a while I get cheese whiz just because you can bite into a Philly cheese stick of cheese whiz and you don't even have to chew it. You can just tilt your head back and it'll slide right down your throat. And the best is if you hit it right, it will shoot out the side of your mouth like a like an atomic weapon, <laughs> blind the person next to you. Um, number seven and number six, Sarku Japan and Panda Express. I, I've never had Sarku Japan. Panda Express is fine uh, if you want Chinese food in a pinch, but I, are you running to, to Panda Express if you, if you have your choice of Chinese food places? I want you to look me in the eye, think about that question, and then apologize to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, uh, in the eye. I'm, I apologize. That's right. That's how I you apologize. do it. I apologize. My God. Do I run to Panda Express? <laughs> Will it do in a pinch? If I'm looking for some MSG, I'm right there. Um, I, I may have gone to Panda Express twice in my life. It's it's just not in a something. mall. <laughs> it's just not. A, I'm I'm not. I'm not. That's that's never in my my flavor profile. Yeah. Chinese food is Panda Express is not. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Does that work? Is that science right there? And I, I feel like if if you're in the same boat I am in, I run into these places more at an airport at this point than going to a, to a mall and a. Food you would board. eat Panda Express in an airport? No, but some of these places in, in a pinch, I would get Sparrow at at an airport. Oh my god! I at in an, an airport? airport, I am very, very, very specific. Because the last thing you want while you're in travel is a problem. You know what they call that? A sparrow. That's what they call it. <laughs> I believe that's what they call it. I, I believe that's what they call it. Number five on the list is the one that should be number one on the list, and that's cinema. Oh, my goodness. That smell is glorious. Listen, I know. I a bit behind the ear like Jacar Noir. <laughs> I, this may surprise people. If you've been listening to this show, uh, you know that my diet may be a little bit more uh, unhealthy than, say, Tony's diet. What? Right? No. Huh? I could eat Cinnabon every day for the rest of my life and never get sick of it. Challenge accepted. <laughs> let's let's see if we can put you on the Cinnabon <laughs> diet and see what happens. I gained 45 pounds in three days. It starts with your doctor and ends at a funeral home. <laughs> Number four on this list is Gong Cha. No idea. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's uh, pleasantly fruity with a hint of red bean. I will, I will leave that. 
Number three is KFC. Fried chicken is a smell that you always want. KFC? We're just talking about the in smell. In the mall? I've never seen a KFC in the mall. No. But just the, 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 the aroma? Yeah, absolutely. I like the smell of KFC. Like, oh, that smells. Oh, fried chicken. Oh, is that 12 herbs? No, that's 11 herbs. Right. And spices. You can't overdo. Number two is halal, guys. So if you're talking about just like a pita place, like pita, pita pit or something like that, because I don't know who the halal guys are. Um, but sure, that's, that, that is a smell I can work with. A powerful smell of cumin. Not a fan. Oh, really? Not a fan oh, of cumin. cumin. Number one on the list should be number one on the list. The only thing that could beat Cinnabon, Annie Ann's, or Wetzel's Pretzels, any of those places, that smell is perfect. It is. And again, a place you could only get, uh, a food you could only get, it feels like at a mall or in an airport. Is that a business? Like, is there room in the pretzel game? You, you want to get in the pretzel game? Fingers, can... pretzel fingers. Oh, wouldn't that be fantastic? Wouldn't Everything it be? Covered with cheese whiz. Covered with whiz. Fingers with whiz. Just sells itself. We don't mean to pick on California. California is a lovely state with a lot of lovely people. But last week we talked about California setting to, well, they're attempting to ban premium cigars. And now this week we come across a story that one California town wants to ban balloons. Honestly? After what the Chinese did, I'm not surprised. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy. He's Tony Katz. Find everything Eat, Drink, Smoke over at our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Now, Tony, you know, it, it's fun. I'm thinking about uh, writing a book, and it's going to be just based on laws that are proposed. And if you ever Google search California set to ban... You go down in the rabbit hole, oh, do you? Oh, good Lord. You can sit there for hours going, wait, they want to ban what? Like, I saw a story a couple of years ago where I think it was Manhattan Beach wanted to ban beer pong in bars. Ban it. And I thought, I, I didn't realize that beer pong was terrorizing uh, the countryside. Uh all over the, the world, uh, specifically, though, in Manhattan Beach, they were very, very upset about beer pong. They were like, huh. we're, we're going we're gonna to ban it. Uh, well, here, Laguna Beach, environmental activists are celebrating uh, that uh, they're going to get ban rid balloons of these balloons starting uh, in 2024. We're not talking about weather balloons. No. We're not talking about Chinese spy balloons. No. We're talking about your kid went to the fair and got a balloon. Your kid's having a birthday and got a balloon. You're putting together a bar mitzvah, and little Seth is doing his haftorah, and then, please, please, and then, uh, and then next thing you know, uh, the, the whole party's got balloons. Yeah. The Laguna Beach City Council voted Tuesday night to ban in public the popular mainstay of birthday and graduation parties, uh, balloons there, uh, on public property or at city events. So if you're still having one at home, it, it's, it's going to be okay. But you are not allowed to bring balloons to city parks. And this and was environmental, events. right? Yes, This is something about uh, the... The, is this about the trees or is it about birds? This is about uh, seabirds and uh, turtles. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you enjoy the California life anymore. I spent six years in California, Southern California, San Fernando Valley. Absolutely adored it. The, the, the people that I met, uh, the, the weather, the, you know, and when I lived there, broke beyond broke beyond broke. 
but you could always go for a hike and you could always go to the beach. And so therefore, you always had things to do that didn't necessarily require money. Uh, you know, the house required an insane amount of money. Mm-hmm. The gas prices required an insane amount of money. I, I can't imagine that people are finding this fun anymore. Always finding one more thing and one more thing and one more thing to be bothered by, to feel that it's wrong. We're, we're destroying this. We're ruining that. Isn't anybody just happy anymore? No. Because there's someone always looking over your shoulder saying, hey, you're enjoying something? We, sh- we should outlaw that. I will say this. There is a paragraph in this piece that makes me think a little bit about this and lean towards, well, I can understand the thought process. In California, fire officials have long warned against foil balloons that can tangle with power lines, causing a power outage and potential fire hazard. Southern California Edison, one of the state's major utilities, reported more than 1,000 foil balloon-related power outages in 2017. What? Yes, affecting more than 1 million customers. You, you hear that, you're like, oh, geez, well, that, that's a problem. Maybe it's a problem with Con Ed or... <laughs> With the energy company. Do you ever think that if the entire energy grid can be foiled by a balloon that reads half the 50th old fart, that maybe we've got a problem? I was going to say a whole city block knocked out by an Elmo balloon. Right. Happy birthday. (laughs) Enjoy the darkness. (laughs) By the way, my Elmo is terrible. Yours is better. Aw, thank you. making power outages that just makes me sad that makes almost sad you almost got into the guy from the simpsons (laughs) nelson nelson (laughs) right you're dude oh have you been working on this Mm -mm. that's not bad thank you do you do a ralph wiggum (laughs) my cat's breath smells like cat food (laughs) my cat's breath smells like cat food See that? See, but that's like Elmo too. Like, like do, all your impressions are the same. I, okay, I can do Marge. Why doesn't anybody like my Sundays? Holy crap! Marge Simpson, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have known you half of my whole life. How did I not know this? Oh. How did it take? We've known each other twenty years, maybe. Has it been that long? It's close. It's cl- it feels like 20. <laughs> How in the world did I not know you could do that? Uh, when does it come up in conversation? This is the problem. <laughs> We've had a lot of weird conversations. Tony, I ever told you the time how I could do a mean impersonation of Marge Simpson? That's really good. Thank you. That's really good right there. We should have Marge reading our ads. <laughs> Wait, we don't put ads in the show. That's You know that's changing, guys, right? Like, like... We've, we've just, just a quick bit of housekeeping. Mm. We've kind of crossed the Rubicon, mm. and, um, and uh, we're, we're, we're gaining in what the kids call popularity. Mm. That's what the kids call it. Yeah. And so uh, the advertisers, they've, they've started calling. Oh. And so, um, so you're going to start, you'll, you'll start hearing ads in the podcast. What we would like for you to do is listen to them and then buy everything they're selling. <laughs> if you could just do that for us, and not just once. Every time. Listen in full and then buy everything they're selling. That'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. Also, um, I'm not going back to California. This is silly. This balloon thing is silly. Yeah. Well, Amazon 
to switch gears a little bit, you were talking about ads. Uh, you'd love to find folks at Amazon. Uh, but apparently, a lot of their employees are upset. Why are they upset? Uh, they're being told to return to the office. There's a return to the office policy, and Amazon employees are continuing to sound off over the company's recently announced return to office mandate. Uh, it, it looks like uh, the group has amassed 16,000 members, and about 5,000 employees have signed a petition as of Tuesday saying they don't want to return to the office. Don't. Go get another job. By the way, first quarter of 2023, you know how many layoffs they're expecting in tech? 250,000. Yeah. And that number is going to go up. That number is going to go up because everybody in the tech world has realized two things. This economy is not in a good spot and it's not going to get better anytime soon. So they are going to play lean for at least the next year and a half, 18 months of this for sure. Well, it makes you wonder too. Let's go with social media for a second. And what, let's go with social what, media. What Elon sure. Musk has done over at Twitter and the amount of house cleaning uh, that's happened there. Now you're seeing Meta has decided they're going to lay off people. And I wonder if there's a conversation within these companies saying, man, Twitter seems to be doing okay with a lot less employees. Do, do we have too many here? Do they recognize the bloat? Now, Meta is the parent company of Facebook. They changed the name. Like, Alphabet is now the parent company of Google and YouTube, respectively. Do they realize that maybe we have too much bloat? Maybe it's too many people. Maybe we should make these people work for a living. I think that you're absolutely right about that. I think the return to the office policy is the recognition that everybody has taken advantage of what COVID did. And at this moment, you are not getting a return on the investment that you need. And what these employees are learning is that, you know what? This is a business. This isn't to satisfy your lifestyle. <laughs> if you want to satisfy your lifestyle, may I suggest a cigar and bourbon radio show? There you go. And that it can satisfy your lifestyle, especially when you're bringing on the advertisers that we're bringing on. Don't forget to listen to all the ads and buy everything they have. Um I don't feel a thing for the Amazon employees who are like, how dare you? Look, you make decisions. Go work somewhere else. Except those people aren't hiring. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just maybe you should go back to the office for a while. Just one man with a theory. That's all I am. Find everything. EatDrinkSmokeShow.com EatDrinkSmokeShow.com A little bottled and bond bourbon? Sounds good. This is Eat Drink Smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Bourbon, the bourbon reader you've always needed, is now available on Amazon.com and our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. In the end, the beauty of doing a show like we do is that people are like, hey, you like bourbon? Try this. And they bring us bottles of bourbon. This doesn't happen every now and again. This happens on the regular. So if I could suggest, start your own cigar and bourbon show. And eventually, people will bring you bottles of bourbon. It is how to survive in the 21st century. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that is the one and only Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. This is the Ben Holiday, H-O-L-L-A-D-A-Y, Ben Holiday Missouri Straight Bourbon Whiskey. 
This is Bottled in Bond, which is a very, very significant um, designation. Back in the day, when people would quite literally throw anything into bourbon to claim that it was bourbon, like, I don't know, kerosene, <laughs> you started seeing government regulations because they wanted to make sure that people were actually getting a product. Bottled in Bond refers to one distilling season, one distiller, one distillate. Aged for four years. Very, very specific rules and 100 proof. Always, fingers below, anything over 100 proof gets uh, the applause. This is actually a six-year bourbon right here. But what we were able to find about this, I mean, it was given to us, like, hey, try this. We're like, sure, we'll try it. Missouri straight bourbon whiskey, we think it's only found in Missouri and Kansas. We're not sure if you can find this in other places. And to an extent, we feel bad about sharing a bourbon that you might not be able to find at your local liquor store. But then again, we're about trying new stuff. And what is super cool about this, it will tell you on the side of the label, the floor of the Rick House oh, that very each nice. barrel came from. So 11% of this came from the fifth floor, 40% from the fourth floor, 31% from the third floor, and 2% uh, uh, Butterscotch Ripple. <laughs> Finally! That was, a, that was a Willy Wonka at the Chocolate Factory reference right there. Now, Fingers Malloy, you have put your nose to this as we start this neat. Um, where are you on that nose? Uh, it's It's got some baking spice to it. And there's a, a, an ethanol alcohol bit of a, a note on the nose. And maybe maybe some oak. Yeah, I, actually, that's a, that's a nice little little bit. This mash bill is seventy three percent corn, fifteen percent rye, twelve percent malted barley. So that's a high high corn in there. A bourbon by law has to be fifty one percent corn. So, but that that's a high number in there. That nose is that nose is close to classic bourbon, right? There is a good bit of oak there. There is a little bit of. It's not vanilla. It's more of the floral. If it had more of that vanilla, it would be truer to, to what you think of as bourbon. But that is a nice bit of, 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 of aroma. I, I'll tell you what, Tony. I don't know if I'm overselling it just because it's been a day. But this, <laughs> this, boy, this nose is hitting me right. That is wonderful. And it's a beautiful color. It's almost an, I don't know if that's orange or if that's copper. Right, but it's a very pretty color. We've got it in the Glen Cairn glass, which is that oddly shaped glass that it's got a foot, it bows out, and then comes back in. So it really concentrates the nose, concentrates uh, the, 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 the smell there. Feels good, man. It feels good. Now, fingers malign. We're going to do this neat. You ready for this? Tony, I've been ready for this all day. We do it neat. Fingers Malloy is taking his first sip. It's called the Kentucky Chew. Move it around the palate. Really get a feel for what's going on. Very often, you're going to want to take a second sip. First sip to set the taste buds. Second sip to really get the flavors out of it. Where are you, Fingers? That's nice. Uh, definitely oaky. There's a little bit of floral on on the palate as well. Uh, and the, that... That uh, baking spice is is there as well. It's for me. It's not. It is not very sweet. Uh, it, it is really leaning more towards the oak for me, which is surprising me because when you hear seventy three percent corn, 
I, I just assumed it would be sweeter. A, a sweeter, right? That's yeah. exactly where I would go. But, you know, maybe it's just what I've had today uh, to eat that's having an impact on me. So it may hit you sweeter. We'll see. All right, here I go. I'm going in the Ben Holiday, H-O-L-L-A-D-A-Y, Missouri Straight Bourbon Whiskey, 100 proof, six years, and uh, and uh, uh, it's Holiday holiday Distillery. Holiday Distillery. All right, I'm, I'm going in. I'm going in, fingers away. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing the Memphis Munch. I'm getting a little bit more cinnamon uh, off of that as time goes on. Oh, wow. Hey. All right, so this is going to sound dumb. I'm getting a little bit of orchard going on there mixed with a bit of bitter. That is a weird mix, but I'm totally digging it. Totally. The guys at Breaking Bourbon might have this best. Really like what BreakingBourbon.com does. Dry tannic oak. Now, I'm not sure I could describe to you what that is, but I think just the words alone, that's it. That's where that bitter is coming from. I'm willing to bet that that's it. It has a solid mouthfeel. Holy McMoley. And there's a nutty going on. There is a nutty more than an oaky that goes on in the finish. That's that's just that's just good. You're not getting any cinnamon at all off of that. Um, at the end, I get what you're talking about, but that's much more aromatic to me. Okay. I don't think it hits as cinnamon. I I think it. Again, I'm going to go with floral, and and that that orchard that 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 floral, um, that. Dry tannic oak. I, I don't even. I don't even know what to describe that as. But that's it. Like that's a. That's a really breakingbourbon.com. Well played. That's a really good hit. Um, Doesn't play a hundred proof, by the way. Either I don't think. You think it play, plays harder or no, softer? No, softer. Okay. He's going in for for seconds. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but to, uh, to me, a very little sting on the tongue. No real burn. Oh, going I didn't even. Down. I forgot to say that. Yeah, I don't have any burn. No. Yeah. Uh, a slight, a slight tingling on the tongue, nothing in the throat. There is no heat in the chest at all. To me, it played more 100 proof on the nose than it does when you're actually you know, getting it on the palate. What a freaking pleasant surprise this is. The Ben Holiday Missouri Straight Bourbon Whiskey Bottled in Bond. Now, Fingers Malloy, is this in your liquor cabinet at $60 a bottle? Yes. Yeah, it is. That's the first time we have said that in a while, like, without even thinking. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Like, I'm afraid to move it to a cube, but I'm going to. That just hits all the flavor profile and nothing overwhelming the other. That's, that's delicious. And I think that pleases the entire table. Oh, yeah. You see, I think that there might be some people who would want something a little bit sweeter. They would want something a little bit oakier. I don't know if it satisfies the table. I think it satisfies the people who are interested in building out their palate. But I wouldn't be afraid to serve this. Hey, check this out. The Ben Holiday Missouri Straight Bourbon Whiskey Bottled in Bond, six years. My, oh my. $60? Yes. In today's America, today's economy? (laughs) Yep. Yes. This is in the liquor cabinet. So what makes a quality burger? It's a seriously important question. When you go out for a burger, what is it? 
when you're going out, is it just, all right, any burger will do because you're with kids or you're looking for something gourmet when you're making it? Is it just, you know, as Leonard Kenny would say, S&P is for me, but it's really steak and not burgers. Is there cheese in the thing? There are not rules about burgers, and very much so, maybe there should be. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. The question before us is, is there something that happens on the restaurant side that we are not doing on the home side that makes a burger worthwhile? So before we get to the list, Fingers Malloy, because we love a good list, when you are going out for a burger, what is it that says burger to you? Uh, well, first of all, it, it when you take your first bite and you, you realize that it's not good quality beef, that's a turnoff. Uh, right. A bun is really important. I, I know that's not you know in your wheelhouse, and that's unfortunate. I feel so bad for you watching you <laughs> watching you eat a burger, and it's just the patty, knife and fork it. Oh uh, yeah, uh, good bun, uh, good quality meat, and, and honestly, if it's seasoned correctly with high quality beef. And a good slice of cheddar cheese. I don't even need to put any other toppings on it. So you bring up cheddar cheese. If, if there's something unique to the burger, I want to try how the chef thought of it. I'm an American cheese guy on a burger. Okay. I don't want it to overwhelm. I want it to accent. Mm-hmm. And really, it's about texture more than it is about flavor at that moment. Because cheddar, the other things, will have a tendency for me to overwhelm. And I'm trying to get what the burger has to offer. And also, uh, smash burgers are acceptable. Yeah. Very, very acceptable. Do you ever ever eat a burger with no toppings on it? Just the cheese? Yeah. Well, no bun, but just the the patty and the the cheese. Sometimes, like I said, if it's seasoned correctly and it's really high quality, you know, beef, I don't want a lot of ketchup and mustard and all that stuff on it. But I want what, like, there is a place in Indianapolis... In an area called Broad Ripple, called 317 Burger. And they do a burger with ghost pepper cheese, a bacon, a spicy strawberry jam, and peanut butter. Oh, wow. It is freaking sensational. It is in the top five burgers I have ever, ever, ever had. It's that good. It's sensational. Now, admittedly, I switch out the ghost pepper for pepper jack because I'm a wimp. I, I am I am a small small little child deep inside. It's I just can't do it. Well, have you ever asked them for a little bit of that ghost pepper cheese on the side to get I an know. idea of what it's like? No, nope, I got nothing to prove. <laughs> not not at all. Zero to prove uh, there. See, I've seen a lot of people. You know, they're really on the peanut butter on a burger train. I've never had that. I've never had an urge to try that or an egg for that matter. Oh, egg is really good. Really? Oh yeah, love that. Uh, so this is a list from the people of Eat This, Not That, and they're always making up ridiculous lists. These are the 11 uh, chef secrets that make restaurant burgers taste so good. And add this to our ever-growing website, duh.com. <laughs> Start with good ground beef. Oh, see, I like a lot of uh, soybean filler right. in my burger. Clearly. Wow. You, you look like a man who's nothing but soybean filler. <laughs> I would hope that that would be common sense. And it is. Now, I am an 80-20 guy. Me too. So that's 80% beef, 20% fat. I, the 73%, that's a little too fatty That's as, as I play it. I do not understand the people who do the 93% lean. I don't know how you think you're getting flavor out of that. 
No, I, I do like the the seventy three percent, but the problem is, you really have to watch your grill. And that's oh, because it's going to light on fire. Yeah, and then you're going to have hockey pucks for burgers. Now the next thing they say is get a patty press. The conversation here is about consistency. Mm-hmm. And there is something to be said, just like when a chef learns their knife cuts. You want to have the vegetables, if they're going to be julienne, julienne the same way every time. If they're going to be diced, diced to the same size every time. You don't want some random large piece of onion that's going to absolutely mess with your meal. So the idea of a patty press, which is basically this metal press, you press it down and create the same size burger, is the concept of uniformity. Yeah. It isn't somehow cheap or weak or silly. Rather, it's about ensuring a consistency. And I don't know if it's the older I get or the more that I've tried things, I'm really starting to appreciate that. Because I like a good ham patty as much as the next person. The truth is, this is better. Here's the deal. I like a hand patty when I'm making a burger for myself. When I am making uh, burgers for a group of people, I use the press because often, you know, my girls at home, they complain that I make the, the patties way, when I use the, you know, making hand patties, they're way too thick. Yeah. When, when I use the press, there are no complaints, makes everybody happy. And then I just put two of the patties on my burger instead of one. And so the other part of that has to do with how you're cooking your burger. And when you're doing it by hand and you have those thicker spots, you're going to have some rarer spots mm-hmm. in that cook. Me? Fine. Perfect. I'm not sending anything back. Daddy is eating in this conversation. We're both daddy in this conversation. Right. But that might not work for everybody else. It's why the patty press works so well. And then the concept of seasoning, right? What are you flavoring that burger with? That's a, a salt and pepper conversation in the main. But some people will tell you don't salt your beef until the patty is formed. You're doing the outside, not the interior as 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 much. So what happens is is that if you have too much salt in the mix of the meat, the salt is breaking down fibers, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, you've got a soggy burger. Yeah. And so that's that's. An, I I don't know if I know if that's true because I don't know the average time people are making the patty versus when they got it on the grill. Because for me, it's patty grill, patty grill, patty grill. <laughs> right. That's. Uh, I knew a patty grill growing up. There it is, right there. Um. <laughs> But I, I, that's an interesting point, though. I've never heard that brought up before, but it does make sense. Uh, unfortunately, I got in a bad habit. I, I know some burger purists probably uh, would not be thrilled with this. Uh, because growing up, my dad liked to use Lowry's. Seasoning salt? Yeah. Yeah, I like to use Lowry's just because it reminds me of a simpler time, Tony. When I was younger. <laughs> Much younger. Then they add what I think is the most controversial. Add a touch of smoke. Nope. Ah, this is where we get kind of interesting. The the burger, the steak. I have a Traeger. Mm -hmm. I love it. What it does for briskets, uh, tenderloins, the smoking of things, fantastic. I want my burger to taste like burger, not like smoke. Oh, that's interesting. I don't want the smoke on my burger. I love a charcoal burger. Yeah. Um, And so a lot of times what I'll do, especially if I've got time and I've got a cigar, uh, I'll actually reverse sear burgers just to get more of the charcoal smoky flavor in my burger. Yeah, absolutely. So cook it low and slow, 
uh, and then uh, for for uh, get the crust on both sides to get a sear, put it uh, about 500 degrees for 30 seconds on both sides, 45 seconds, get that sear. Yeah, I want I want more charcoal. I want more smoke in the burger. Uh, that's just me. If I want smoke, I want like a smoky barbecue sauce, and then I want some fried onions, right? And then yeah. pickles. Mm. Pickles never go wrong. Always, always works. It's a nice little bit of the the, the, the sweet and then the savory and, and how that plays, that vinegar, works for me. It's always good to have a plan. It's always good to be prepared, especially when you're the Oscars and now you have to worry that someone may come up on stage and slap the talent. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy. He's Tony Katz. And, uh, you know, uh, we're just one year removed from the slap heard around the world, Tony. Will Smith going up and slapping just like that. That, that would sound just like that. Right. Slapping Chris Rock for making jokes about Will Smith's wife, uh, wife uh, Jada, Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith. Smith. Say that five times fast. Jada Pinkett Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> Almost had it. Keep Enrico Palazzo's name out of your mouth. That's what that's what be said <laughs> right there. Uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences will have a crisis team on standby at the 2023 Oscars a year after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Are they going to bring uh, Will Smith into the Oscars and like the Hannibal Lecter? Oh, no, 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 no. He's not allowed back for 10 years. He got a 10-year ban? 10 years. He's out of the Academy. He's not welcome back for 10 years. But he's doing some kind of, I don't know, trying to like revive himself and he's making fun of it or he's talking about, dude, just leave it be. You did what you did. You laughed at the joke. Where Chris Rock talked about Jada Pinkett Smith, who has alopecia, means she lost her hair, um, and and uh, doing G.I. Jane 2. You laughed at it, then saw your wife was upset about it. You didn't know how to handle yourself, so you walked on stage, you slapped him, and you acted the part of the fool. If you had any brains whatsoever, you would have asked Chris Rock to produce the thing with you. You could have gotten $200 million for the movie in seven seconds, and Jada Pinkett Smith would have been good as G.I. Jane. It would have worked. People would have gone to the movie. It would have been the story of the year. But nope. Nope. You didn't know how to control your emotions. And it happens. I don't know about you. I've had one of these kinds of moments. It does indeed happen. You slap Chris Rock? Sometimes. <laughs> Just got to let him know what's what. Uh, it, it, it doesn't have to define you. But there is no question that at the stage of Will Smith's career... On a night where he wins the Oscar for Best Actor after all his career, he ruined it. He ruined himself. He ruined his brand. He ruined it all for no other reason that he laughed at the joke and didn't understand that he's in the front row, front seat. You are the star of stars. You are the A-list of the A-list. Take the joke, shut up, go home, look at your bank account, and then giggle like a freak. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how 30 seconds can completely change the narrative on you and redefine what people think of you? I don't know of too many people who hated Will Smith, who disliked Will Smith, who was like, oh, God, I can't stand Will Smith. Will Smith was just one of those guys where everyone seemed to like him, you know? And, and, and then that happens, and the narrative completely changes. I don't even know 
what he's doing now as far as any kind of movie career. I, I, I mean, people, he's clearly not an A-list actor anymore, is he? I mean, he's not getting any big roles thrown at him. Has the Apology Tour, you know, has, has it worked? I mean, has it been able to at least... He has a new movie out. Yeah. God, but it could have already been in production. You know, these things do take time. And right. they're like, all right, we got to put this thing out with Will Smith. I don't know. Maybe people watch it just to be like, oh, yeah, remember when he wasn't this guy? Um, I don't know. I, you know, Hollywood's a strange place. And remember, when he won the Best Actor Oscar, they gave him a standing ovation. Crazy. There's a really interesting piece from, from Drew Carey, not Drew Carey, from Jim Carrey who, to me, has fallen off the rails so greatly. His life has become so radically political as to be believed, and he's become way too above it all for the rest. But he said that, it, you know, he watched that applause, and it just it sickened him. Why? How could you think that that's the thing to do? How could you stand in an ovation for that? He, he's not necessarily wrong in, in that regard, I think what people were trying to do when they stood was be like, look, man, we, we recognize the work. We recognize what you put into it, the career you've created for yourself, and we want to congratulate you. I don't think it was about an endorsement of slapping Chris Rock. I don't think that's what oh, it no. was. But I can get the idea that you're like, you're going to applaud this? What, are we all crazy? What kind? Do we have standards or not? And the answer is, well, it's Hollywood, so... Not really. And it changed, really. It, there were a lot of comedians that spoke out and said now that they're worried about their safety. Where it, I'm not going to say it gave people a green light to go up on stage and, and react with violence towards something they didn't want to hear. But there have been, I believe, incidents, incidents since uh, the Chris Rock thing. Wasn't Dave Chappelle attacked on stage or somebody tried to attack Dave Chappelle? Someone tried to stab Dave Chappelle on, on stage. That absolutely did happen. The, the attacking of the comic, the attacking of the entertainer. Look, you guys know that Fingers and Malloy and I do radio outside of this, and people know that I do uh, a morning show in Indianapolis on WIBC. I have a syndicated midday show, uh, and I talk political issues and cultural issues. Do I think about where I'm at and if I'm going to be attacked? The answer is yes. I won't lie to you. I'm fully aware of it all the time. Everywhere I go, because, well, some people cannot control their emotions. And it's not that you even said something horrendous. It's the idea that even disagreement will lead people to a fevered pitch. Yeah. And that, that insanity, you know, we've talked about social media very often, Fingers. And it's, I know it's your belief that social media has absolutely exacerbated this insanity because people feel emboldened to literally say anything from behind their keyboard, and then somehow they think if they're out in the wild, <laughs> they can act the same way they do behind their keyboard. We've gotten angrier as a society, and much of it has been uh, thrown out there on social media, and then people were locked up for a year. And then they got out, and it feels like, I don't know if it was just because of what happened during the pandemic or or just that this is this anger keeps building and building to where they've taken what they would do on uh, a, a smartphone or a computer and translated to a oh, real life now going to go out and, and say things to people in public that they would never dream of doing 10 years ago. There, there is um, 
without question a self-righteousness that, that has taken hold. I'm good and they're evil. And therefore, anything I do to them is okay because, after all, I'm good. As opposed to a conversation of good and evil. You might disagree with them, but is the response a violent attack? Is the response cancel culture? Or is the response to say, that's not my person. I'm just going to walk away from them. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to buy their things. I'm not going to support them. There's, is, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to uh, being able to just roll your eyes and walk away instead of having to let everyone know that the words that someone said upset you in a way that you have to respond. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, people are responding violently. The response has become for people proof of their identity, proof of their goodness. And so, therefore, they are forced into response, whether it be social media or otherwise. For Will Smith, it was Jada Pinkett Smith who forced him into response with her reaction. And he did not have the strength, because, again, personal responsibility. It's all on him to say, you know what? I'm just going to leave this be. She clearly doesn't like it. Well, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with Chris later. Deal with it all later, which is what he should have done. The Ben Holiday Missouri Straight Bourbon Whiskey six-year bottled in bond. Fingers, that's a fine bourbon. $60 a bottle, and the answer is yes. In the liquor cabinet. All day, every day. And the El Septimo Embrujao Maduro Torpedo, six and a half by 60. It's it's a good smoke. It's a good smoke. And starting my, to work my way towards the final third, and that pepper subsiding, a little bit of, of uh, that, that chocolate undercurrent remaining, I'm... All right, I'm there for it. There you go. There's a stick or two in the humidor. That's that's happening. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Follow Eat Drink Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at GoEatDrinkSmoke, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash EatDrinkSmoke, and Instagram, at EatDrinkSmokePodcast.